Now let's go to the fourth category in Matthew chapter 25, which is the sheep and the goat nations. And we're starting at verse 31 now. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then, that's number 11, He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, that's then number 14, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you took me in, I was naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. Then, number 15, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as, then when did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then, number 16, he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Some of the strongest words that Jesus ever uttered. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then, number 17, they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, <coughs> and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now in order to understand that, it's very important to recognize that it's a, it's a follow-on from Joel, chapter 3. This gives us the setting. Joel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The Lord says, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives or the exiles of Judah and Jerusalem. So notice this is looking forward to the days in which we are living, when the Lord is bringing back the Jewish captives from all over the world. From more than 100 nations, Jews have returned to the land of Israel in the last 50 or 60 years. I was in a class in the Hebrew University, uh, a language class, and I discovered there were people in my class that had returned from 30 different nations. It's stupendous. The human mind can hardly take in what's involved. So this is the time of the situation. It refers to the regathering of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Then the Lord says this, verse 2, I will also gather all nations, and that's the word for Gentiles, goyim, if you know what the, how the Jews speak about Gentiles. I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat means the Lord judges. And I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, 
whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. Now we're talking about the judgment of the nations at the close of this present age. And God says, I will judge them on the basis of how they've treated the Jews and the land of Israel. That's important to know. And he says, they have divided up my land. Remember, it's first and foremost God's land. Secondly, it belongs to the Jewish people because God gave it to them by an everlasting covenant for an everlasting possession. Doesn't matter who's in it. The ownership has not changed. It belongs to God and to the Jews. And God is not restoring them because they deserve it. Let me hasten to add that. He's very clear about that. It's not for your sake, but for my holy name's sake. That's what God says. But notice the second charge against the nations is they've divided up my land. You know what dividing up is in modern political language? Partition. They have partitioned my land. Now, in 1920 or thereabouts, the League of Nations assigned to Britain a mandate for the land of Israel, both sides of the Jordan. And the terms of their mandate were to provide a national home for the Jewish people. In 1922, with a stroke of his pen, Winston Churchill signed away 76% of that land to an Arab nation, then called Transjordan, now called Jordan, and in that territory no Jew is permitted to live. So they had divided up the land 76% to 24%. In 1947, the United Nations, the successor to the League of Nations, arranged a scheme by which they would divide up the land so out of the reigning 24%, Israel would get maybe 10% and 14% would go to the Arabs. What are they guilty of? Dividing up God's land. And those nations are going to have to answer for it. Now I'm British by birth and I was living in the land of Israel when partition took place and when the state of Israel was born. And I'm an eyewitness of these things. And I will say that short of open warfare, the British administration did everything in their power to prevent the birth of the State of Israel. And you know what happened? Israel was born and the British Empire fell apart. Without ever losing a major war, the only one they really lost was with the colonists in America. The only major war. Their, in, their empire disintegrated. Why? Because they sinned against Israel and their land. This shows you that God takes it seriously. Now, going back to this parable in Matthew 25, Jesus sitting on his throne of judgment, his throne as king on earth. He's been sharing his father's throne up till now. Now he has his own throne on earth, the throne of his glory, the throne of his kingdom. And on that throne he judges all the nations that are gathered before him, the Gentiles. He doesn't gather the Jews. I'll explain that why in a little why in a little later, a little while. And there's only one basis, only one basis, how they've treated the brothers of Jesus. 
And in the light of Joel, it's absolutely sure that what that means is the Jewish people. Remember that in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, John had a vision of a scroll that had to be opened, and no one was able to open it. And he was weeping. And one of the elders said to him, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open it. And John looked around, expecting to see a lion. And what did he see? A slain lamb. That's where the power is, brothers and sisters. It's in the life that's given over to God. And the title of Jesus in eternity is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And Judah is the name from which we get the word Jew. In Hebrew, Yehu Judah is Yehuda and Jew is Yehudi. See, it's only one syllable different. So bear in mind that Jesus did not become a Jew simply for 33 and a half years. He eternally identified himself with the Jewish people. That's his title. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Now you may dislike that, but you can't change it. Because <laughs> God didn't ask your opinion. He didn't ask mine either. But I've learned it's safer to agree with God. Oh, I tell you, when you see anti-Semitism rampant throughout the earth, and not least in America, we better take careful heed to our own attitudes, because we're going to be judged. It's clear to me from this picture of Jews in clothing, without clothing, without food, without shelter, in prison, sick, there's going to be a tremendous worldwide upsurge of anti-Semitism, which you can already feel the currents of it. God is going to permit it. David Pawson, who's a friend of mine, said once, he said, whenever the Jews aim to settle down in any Gentile nation, God always permits anti-Semitism to arise, because that's not their home. God said in Ezekiel 37, at a certain time, my people, you're like dry bones scattered in the valleys. But I'm going to open your graves and bring you out of your graves and bring you to your own land. Now, I tell some Jewish believers here, and I have many friends here, I said, it's wonderful that you've become to believe in Jesus. You've got out of the grave, but you haven't got out of the cemetery. <laughs> There's only one place that Jews are appointed to live. That's in the land of Israel. We have a dear friend, I won't give you his name, but he was, he was like most, the only adult Jewish believers I've ever met have all come by way of the occult. I think without exception. So there he was, as a Jew, in the land of Israel, a hippie with his hair down to his waist. And he tried to start a kibbutz for, uh, what do they call farming? Um, more organic farming. So the Jewish agency said, fine, if you can get ten other people, start. But he never could. He was totally disillusioned with Israel and their land. Went back to the United States where he was born, married a, a beautiful wife and got saved, totally saved by faith in Jesus. And God said to him one day, he said, you are a Jew, this is not your home. And from then onwards he knew he had to move back. Those are true words. If you're a Jew, this is not your home. You can have a good time here, 
and enjoy some of the so-called comforts and luxuries. But I'm not sure that you'll be able to enjoy them for long. I think a change is coming. I don't tell anybody what to do, but I think you should give careful consideration to the meaning of this parable. So what happened? Listen to the goat, what happened to the goat nations who didn't show mercy. And it doesn't say actually they persecuted them, they just didn't show mercy. Verse 41, the king will say also to those on the left hand, depart from me you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I have never read anywhere more fearful words of condemnation than those. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And notice, the lake of fire was never prepared for human beings. We don't have to go there. The devil and his angels have no choice. We only go if we make the wrong choice. And then he said to the others, in verse 34, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So the, the decisive issue was who was going to be admitted to the kingdom, who was going to be excluded. This is the kingdom of Jesus on earth, his earthly kingdom. The nations that passed the test, but were not part of the church, will be admitted to that kingdom on earth. 